Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Okay, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, once again, brethren, we want to go into another consideration on the book of Ezekiel. We want to be dealing with Ezekiel 28, and this is going to be part number one. And the subject is Satan in Eden or the king of Tyre. You see, we're going to be dealing with Ezekiel 28. Now, let me start reading from verse number 11. The word says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of affection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Now, don't miss the word lamentation. Right? Verse 13, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every previous stone was your covering. The saddles, topaz, and diamond, bearing oxen, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timber, the pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. Notice that. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. But the abundance of your trading, you became filled, not the word trading, filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground and laid you bare, I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. 18 says, You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquities of your trading. Therefore, notice that again, the iniquities of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst, it devoured you, and I turned you to arches upon the art and the sight of all who saw you. Verse 19 says, And all who knew you were among the people as astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19. Now, this passage of scripture is commonly used to teach, um, uh, to tell us quite a bit about Satan's beginnings. But again, we'll find that this section is a piece out of the heart of chapters 26 to 28. You, you can't truly really comprehend Ezekiel 28 without first going back to Ezekiel 26 through 27. And it expressly describes the chapters that are dealing with the king, which is the king of Tyre. There is this confusion that though this section of the book is about the king of Tyre, but that it is only primarily or immediately about the king of Tyre. For it's also about Satan because there are elements in the oracles that weren't literal true of Tyre. But essentially we know it's about the king of Tyre because 
It says this as President Revealed last week can't read, like I said, chapter 26. I mean 28 without reading 26 of Ezekiel without confronting this truth. The truth of the fact that this is essentially about the king of Tyre is fully revealed as we study chapters 26 to 28 of the book of Ezekiel. The reason I say that is primarily because the king of Tyre is also because the satanic element in particular are supposed to be in Ezekiel 28 11 to 17 as read in the text like in verse 13 you were in eden the garden of god every precious stone was your covering this is why people think or say it has to do with satan or adam now we must know that this is the with the garden of eden all right then here then are the reasons why they say it's about satan the address is said to have been one. That's the, the person addressed in this particular passage. is said to have been one. The model of perfection. Two, to have been in the garden of Eden. Three, as anointed cherub, guiding cherub. Five, to have been blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness were found in you. Now, these are the elements that are being used to indicate that this must be Satan or whatever you call Lucifer before he was gone down. Right? Now the argument is the king of Tyre wasn't in the garden of Eden, nor was he an anointed cherub. So we are told it must be Satan that is speak that is spoken of in these Pharisees. I mean this in these phrases or those elements we just read. But if the king of Tyre wasn't in the garden of Eden, Neither was Satan walking on Mount Sinai and cast forth from there, either, as seen in verse 14 and 16. You go back and take a look at that. If you, if you argue that this must be, um, I mean, Lucifer or whatever that was in heaven, but 14 tells us something. You were not a cherub who covers, I establish you. And you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of stony fire. And you were perfecting your ways when they were created. Iniquity was found in thee. Right? Or in you. But the abundance of your trading. Trading. You became filled with the violence within. And you see, therefore I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Can you see that? Now, those things for no... I mean, there's no way those things begin to describe Satan in any way. Talking about trading, what kind of trading do you think he was talking about? How was it that Satan was engaged in some trading thing up there in heaven? I mean, it's funny to think that way. Now, take a look at this again. That are the anointed cherub that cover it. And I've said this so. That was upon the mount, holy mount of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. And verse 16 says, But the multitude of that merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast seen, therefore I cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. Now we destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, they are not a cherub. Can't refer to the garden of Eden. But more probably, if you will, to the tabernacle and the ark of the covenant of my Sinai. And even if the anointed cherub is to be located in Eden, there is nothing in the Genesis account that makes Satan a guiding cherub. Did you notice that? Now, in Genesis 3, verse 24, 
The word simply says, So he drove out the man and placed the, the placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Notice that the word used here is cherubims, plural. There is nothing to indicate here that they were in the garden, neither can they be identified as Satan. Looking at Ezekiel 20 verse 16, by the multitude of their merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast seen, therefore I will cast thee out as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy the old covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. We need to know what is the mountain of God here referred. That is where this personality was, and it is synonymous with the garden of God. And we can see that the energy cherub was driven from the mount of God in disgrace, and not just from an isolated garden of Eden. This is very important. What can we see here? The picture, the simple picture painted before us in section 26 to 27, 28 of Ezekiel is a description of the glory of the Tyrian king, the king of Tyre. His fail, I mean fall and the reason for his fall, this is very important for us to, you know, to, 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 to consider, to keep at the back of our mind. What I mean is, the whole picture of 26 to 28 chapters of Ezekiel is dealing with the king of Tyre or the Tyre kingdom, kingdom of Tyre, the fall, and the reason for the fall. This is what all of this is describing, not an angel. Now, this city is here described as the foremost trading nation of the world, a renowned city, and a city that is about to be destroyed. As you find in chapter 26, take time to read it. Okay? Now, in chapter 27, she sees herself as a rare beauty, and it described as a beautiful sailing ship with timbers, masts, desks, saved from around the world, and saved by marinas from all nations. Again, he said, her pride is busting out, and though it is a human kingdom, it seems herself as God. Look at that, verse 9, 28, verse 9. Will you then say, I am God, in the presence of those who kill you? You be but a man, not a God. Ezekiel 28, verse 9. Tyre is therefore being described as privilege among the nations. Should be into Eden and to the holy mount, where she walked among the stones of fire on that blazing mountain, as Moses did. She said to be adored with precious stone, as high priest was, and is likened to the cherubim that stood guard in and at the entrance of the Holy of Holies on the mountain. And I mean, when you see on the on the on the curtain and over the ark of the covenant, you begin to see cherubim inscribed there because it's believed that the angels gave the law to Moses. This description is no more to be taken literally than the description of Tyre as a beautiful sailing ship in chapter 26. Right? If this description wasn't literal, true of the Tyrian king who represented the city kingdom, it wasn't literal true or literally true of Satan either. But the truth is, God so exalted Tyre, gave her holy, I mean, Glory, profane, profane privileges, and breathtaking success. Now, instead of thanking him for all of it, she fell in love with herself and thought it was of her own making. This is the whole thing. 
that referred to as iniquity, which we're going to find much later. Like Adam, Adam, the tyrant king did find, did find until he thought he'd make a great God and acted as though he could be and was truly independent of God. This kind of over-the-top description of glory is not unusual in the prophets or the prophetic writings. Note how the authority of Nebuchadnezzar described in Daniel chapter 20, chapter 2 verse 36. This was a dream. Now we'll tell you the king and the interpretation. 37 said, You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into this hand, into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the sons of men, the beasts of the field, and the beasts of the air. Making you are over them, all you are the head of gold. Making you ruler over them, all you are the head of gold. Now it echoes without measure the language of Genesis 1, 26-27 and Adam's authority. Remember that? Good. Let's make my inner image. Let it have dominion. This particular description given to Nebuchadnezzar so described perfectly well all that can be seen as that which is found in Genesis 1, 26-27. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So again, look at it. This is simply a lamentation. If you must be serious and without bears in your mind as to what we're dealing with. Forgetting what you know before. Forgetting what you have ever been taught about this subject. Let's just be open to take a look at it again. Now, Isaiah 28, 12 says something. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of tyrants and say unto him, Thus says the Lord God, thou, the sealer, the son, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. I want you to know that it was a lamentation. It's a song as well. Just like we find in Isaiah 14. On Lucifer King Nebuchadnezzar. Here in Ezekiel 28, it was by the king and the king of Tyre. The king Tyros himself. He wasn't talking about the devil. I believe the above. If you take time to read what we just considered there, the above was it meant to say you form a portrait of yourself. I mean, was meant to say you form a portrait of yourself and has represented yourself as a perfection of wisdom and beauty. This is so because when you look at the word Sila, the sun, it should rather be, be, be seen as seals up the measure. That is, the word sum actually speak of measure. In other words, you made the measure of your wisdom and beauty complete. Understanding that a seal is set to that which is finished or complete, as we can see in Daniel chapter 9, 24. Okay? Daniel 9, 24. What do you see there? Seven weeks were determined upon the people and upon the holy city to finish this transgression and to make an end of sins and to make a reconciliation for iniquity. And to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to know the most holy place. So when you talk about sealing, you're talking about that which is complete. So the psalm which we read there in verse, in, 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 in verse 12, the psalm means the full measure of beauty from the Hebrew root to measure. The normal man one formed after accurate rule. Is that okay? Right. So here we are seeing a king who through his wealth and riches 
is assuming the position of completeness in life, needing nothing and anyone else in life. Simply stated, he felt he was made, he has made it, and he did so by himself through his wisdom. Let's think about his city. Tyre itself, or herself. Tyre as a city, in the commerce of the whole world, was gathered into the warehouse of Tyre, it is said. Her merchants were the first to venture to navigate the Mediterranean waters, and they founded their colonies on the coast and neighboring islands of the Aegean Sea, etc. Tyrians and the Hebrews entered into a friendly alliance in the times of David, who were long ruled over by their native kings, like you find in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 11, 1 Kings 5, verse 1, 2 Chronicles 2, verse 3. Both Tyre and Sidon were crowded with glass shops, dyeing and weaving establishment. Among their cunning workmen, not the least important class, were those who were celebrated for the engraving of precious stone. And so when you go to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 2, what do you see there, verse number 7? So now send me a man, Solomon is talking, when he was building a temple. Send me a man skilled to work in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and in purple, crimson, and blue fabrics, trained also in engraving, to be with the skilled workers who are with me in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David my father provided. Verse 14 said, The son of a woman of the daughters of Dan, and his father was a man of Tyre, is trained to walk in gold, silver, bronze, iron, stone, and wood, and in purple, blue and crimson fabrics and fine linen, and to do all the sort of engraving and executing a design that may be assigned him with your craftsmen, the craftsmen of my Lord, David your father. There's a request of Solomon in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 2 verse number 7 through 14. As to getting someone from Tyre who will be uh, wistful of craft and wisdom and skill to come join with the people in the building of the temple. Now this is a practical reference to every precious stone was your covering. The saddles, topers and diamond bearing oxen, jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald Amen? With gold, like you find in Ezekiel 28 verse 13. That is all describing the skill and the perfection as which the people of Tyre was good at working in precious stones. It was the wickedness, therefore, and the idolatry of the city that led to her fall, as predicted by the prophet. You find that again in Isaiah 23 verse 1, Jeremiah 25 22, Ezekiel 26 28 and verse 1 to 19, then Amos 19 1 verse 9, uh, and 10 and Zechariah 9 2 to 4. You can see all of that. What led to the fall of King of Tyre or the Kingdom of Tyre is all fine in those passages. The city was founded at about BC 2700. Right? It was often attacked by Egypt and Assyria. It was fortified with such strength and possessed resources to abundant as to be able to withstand the utmost effort of Alexander the Great for the space of seven months. It was at length taken by him in 332 BC, 332 BC, Alexander conquered Tyre. Ezekiel 28 is not Adam, but the king Cyrus. Look at it again, verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was a covering. It's what we just read. Verse 
15 says, You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created in Nicodemus found in thee. This was not in any way referring to Adam. Reason is because Adam was not in the transgression according to the scriptures. Let me read that to your hearing. In 1 Timothy 2 verse 14, 1 Timothy 2 14, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. The serpent beguiled me, and I did it. That was the confession of the woman in Genesis 3 verse 13. Right? But Adam fell, you may say. Yes, he did it willingly. Adam could not have been deceived because he was a light being. And the Bible says, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it or overcome it. John chapter 1 verse number 5. It simply means the darkness of ignorance, evil, and lies of the serpent could not overcome, comprehend, or understand the light wisdom of Adam. So, the words of God to the man were, because they had hearkened to the voice of the wife and has eaten. Genesis 3, 17. Therefore, the fall of Adam, as it were, as it were was a mystery of the union of the Christ and the church. In Ephesians 5, 26, a husband love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, just as Adam died for the sake of his wife, the church, even so, the first Adam willingly submitted to death, already incurred by the wife by partaking of the fruit. Otherwise, the woman would have been expelled alone. Then the church of Christ would have been left alone without the husband in death. What an expression of love. Listen to what I've just said. The only reason Adam had to leave the garden was because he has to die, as it were, with the wife or for the wife. And so both of them were spared from the garden. And that is because if Adam had not gone out with the woman, Jesus would not have died for the church. Did you get that? Because that's a mystery we find in Ephesians 5.25. So, the iniquity that was found in King Tyrus was his pride resulting from his abundance of wealth and the glory he has finally attained to by reason of that. Nothing to do with Adam or Lucifer. Just as the opening verse of the chapter rightly said. Is that okay? Look at what it said. The word of the Lord came again unto me saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thy heart is lifted up and thou hast said, I make God... I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man, not God. Though thou said thy heart as the heart of God. Ezekiel 28, 1-2. Did you get that? Praise the loving God. Let me take you down a little bit. When we talk about Eden, the garden of God. In verse 13, thou had been in Eden, the garden of God. What is it supposed to mean? Take a look. This is one of the most important aspects of this topic. Who was in Eden? What is Eden? How many other people have been in Eden, the garden of God? What does it mean to be in Eden of God? Let us take a look at this. First of all, the phrase, in the day that I was created. That is not speaking of the day that Satan was formed or made in heaven. Right? For you must see from Ephesians 2 verse 10, the Bible says, For we are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. In fact, from the message translation, Ephesians 2.10 said, No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates us for his Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Right? He saved us. Meaning, the day we're created in Christ is they will receive a new status in Christ as part of our salvation. Is it making sense? So, when we read of the day that I was created, we're talking of the day King Titus was elevated into his position as a king, not when God formed the devil or Lucifer. Just like we have, we have the Lord's day in Revelation 1 verse 10. Speaking of when he was crowned king universally, and similar to what we used to have. You know, in the days of, of John, we have what we call the Emperor's Day. The Emperor's Day was when they ascended into the throne in the Roman Empire. And so days were thus celebrated. So when we talk about the Lord's Day, not the Day of the Lord, get the difference? The Lord's Day is when he was a throne universally. That's what the Lord's Day means. Revelation 1 verse number 10. Praise the Lord. All right. So that's talking about the day that you were created. It's not talking about the day was formed as an angel. Okay. Take a look at this. If you look at the book of Ezekiel 36. I mean 31. Verse 1. Bible says. In midday of the 11th year of King Joachim's captivity. This message came to me from the Lord. Son of Dostel, Vero, king of Egypt and all his people. You are Assyrians who has great and mighty nation like cedar of Lebanon full of thick branches and fossil shade. I mean forest shade with his head high up among the clouds. Number four. Israel went up deep into the most earth, moist earth. It grew luxuriantly and gave streamlet of water to all the trees around. Verse five says it dwelt above all the other trees. It prospered and grew. Are you following it? It prospered and grew long thin branches. I'm reading from the Living Bible anyway. Because of all the waters at its root. Verse 6 said, The bears nested in tart branches, and its shade of flocks and herbs gave birth to young. All the great nations of the world lived beneath its shadow. Verse 7 says, It was strong and beautiful, for its root went deep to the water. It said, The trees were taller than anyone in the garden of God. No cypress has branches equal to it. None have bath to compare. Not equal in beauty. Remember he describing Egypt. Because of the magnificence that I gave it. Amen. Praise the Lord. It was the envy of all the trees of Eden. Other than trees. Of other gardens. The trees of Eden. All the trees of Eden. Are you there with me? Good. Praise the Lord. It was the envy of all the other trees of Eden. I just read Ezekiel 31, 1 to 9, describing that Egypt was in Eden. So here we are told that the haughty king of Assyria, as he was overthrown by the Cadians, so you shall also be. So we see the illustration of the pride and the consequence of a true of the Assyrian that Egypt may be, I mean, be lit, better knows what she must expect, as we can see in verses 11 
of Ezekiel 31. It was a warning to the king of Egypt who was in Eden. Now it's worthy of know that Nebuchadnezzar in the final year of his reign rendered himself master of Nineveh, the capital of Assyrian Empire. This happened about 20 years before Ezekiel delivered this prophecy. So the comparison is a defeat of the Assyrians by Nebuchadnezzar. Is that okay? Right. Now when he talks about the cedar, like the most godly cedar speaks of strength and beauty. Pharaoh is yes likened to Assyrian because of the tallest, the tallest of the Assyrian cedar. Greatness is therefore implied. The cedar also speaks of his subjects. But verse 8 is very important. The cedars in the garden of God could not hide him. Speaking of Egypt as one of the most eminent and affluent of all the neighboring nations. And that is what makes her to be in Eden. What therefore is Eden or means to be in Eden? Again you look at that verse 18. O Egypt, you are great and glorious among the trees of Eden, nations of the world. And you will be brown, be brought down to the pit of hell with all those other nations. You will be among the nations you despise, killed by the sword. This is the fate of Pharaoh and of the Timimasis, says the Lord. Ezekiel 31 verse 18. Eden here is referred to as a nation of the world. But basically the prosperous ones. It was a comparison of those in great estate of life. So, it applied to the restoration of Israel as well. Like you can find in the same book of Ezekiel 36. Let's look at 36 and verse 33. Ezekiel 36, 33, Living Bible. The Lord says, when I cleanse you from your sins, I will bring you home again to Israel and rebuild the ruins. Accurate will be cultivated again that through the years of exile lay empty as a barren wilderness. All who pass by were shocked to see the extent of ruining your land. But when I bring you back, you will say, This God forsaken land has become like Eden Garden. Glory to God. Did you see that? Amen. Will be like what? Eden's Garden. The real cities are built and wall filled with people. That is, he said, then the nations all around, all those still left, we know that. I, the Lord, rebuilt the rings and planted lost crops on the wilderness. For I, the Lord, have promised it and I will do it. Restoration of Israel was likened toward Eden, gardens of Eden. This land that was desolate by sin, as we have just seen, has become like the garden of Eden. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing it? Hallelujah. By righteousness. It was seen, become a wasteland. By righteousness, become a garden. Satan blast is removed. God's blessing has taken place. That is what it means to be in the Eden of God. So now we find in Ezekiel 36, and verse 35 again, or just like we find in 2813, and Isaiah 51, 3, that what Tyre was in Eden. So summarily we see that here. Tyre, the type of the world power in general. So Assyria is either in the garden of God, Eden, like finding Ezekiel 31, 8 to 9. In original advantages and glory have been compared to Eden, the garden of God. From which he had fallen without recovery. But in Ezekiel 36, verse 5, I mean 35, Israel that was once desolate is to be as garden of Eden. Again, you find that Isaiah 51 verse 3. Without a reverse to ruin. 
Eden, therefore, is a symbol of the light and prosperity of nations and people, just like Egypt and Pharaoh were now, as it were, like in Israel. Praise the Lord. Again, we look at Isaiah 15, verse 3. For the Lord shall come for Zion. He will bring forth, I mean, comfort all our waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden. And a desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found during thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Praise God. Praise God. Can you see that? Amen. So, when we read of that has been in Eden, the garden of God, like we find in Ezekiel 28.13, is simply the portrait of a prosperous man, the king of Tyre. Just like it, talking of all the fall of Pharaoh when, then, when we are told in Ezekiel 31 verse 8. You know, look at Ezekiel 31 verse 8 from Living Bible. It says, O king, I mean, O Egypt, you are a great and glorious among the trees of Eden, the nations of the world, and you will be brought down to the pit of hell with all these other nations. Amen. You'll be among the nations you despise, killed by the, the sword. This is the fate of Pharaoh and all of his timmy masses, says the Lord. Ezekiel 31 verse number 18. We found this same image painted for us on the invasion of Israel by the Assyrians' army, as seen in Joel chapter 2, and verse number 3. A fire devoured before them and behind them a flame burned the land as the garden of Eden before them and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. This is the invasion of the Assyrians when they came to Israel. In other words, there was a prosperous land of Israel before they came. And it was like Eden or the Garden of God, but a total emptiness after the invasion. Right? So, when we say there had been in Eden, this statement is simply a strong irony of the state of King Tyrus. That at like Adam, when in his innocence and excellence, he was in the Garden of God. Praise the living God. Are we together? Amen. So again, we're interested that. The whole of this passage is about the king of Tyre, King Tyrus himself. Being in Eden was symbolic of his affluence as a wealthy king, full of joy and gladness, and very much in power and dominion. It has nothing to do with either Adam in the garden, with Eve, or a supposed Lucifer. That is not scriptural if we must stay by the revealed word of God. Praise the living God. What next are we going to take a look at? Workmanship and the creation of King Kairos. He said that what perfect the day were created. We're going to be dealing with that in the next broadcast. God bless you. I'm convinced you got a revelation and an understanding of what God is speaking concerning this passage in Ezekiel 28. Nothing one bit to do with a Lucifer or Adam or Satan. Nothing one bit to do with any of that. Please, 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 take a good look at the passage again. Go back, listen to this story, I mean this passage, I mean this message, this broadcast, and go close along with all the scriptures we have just cited, and find out for yourself the truth of God's word, that this have nothing, one bit, to do with Lucifer. It's all talking about the king of Tyre, a man, not God, not angel, not Adam, a man, the king of Tyre. And the fall of that man is what the whole of this passage is referring to. God bless you.
and I love you so much. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.